Welcome to another episode of Strength for Today with your host here, Eric Dykstra. And we are closing out the week today. And we are going to look at some of the contrasts that we've talked about to being a good shepherd or a protector. Several weeks ago, we had talked about being led by the Spirit. And uh, if we are to connect with God in His kingdom, then we have to learn to be led by His Spirit. And when we were talking about identity earlier in this season, we talked about an identity that is built on the flesh or an identity that is built in the Spirit. And in Romans 8, we learned that being led by the Spirit leads to life in peace. And this is really uh, to be able to discern God's kingdom and to live according to God's values. We have to uh, live according to our identity from the Spirit. And that's the new creation that we become in Christ. And so today we're going to focus a little bit on what I call a predator. We've talked a lot about being a protector and really that's what Jesus was. That was his heart and how um, Jesus really sought after the heart of each person that he interacted with. And he was a protector by nature, looking to restore people and the life that he actually um, lived. He laid down for his people so that they could be reunited to their God. And so today we get to look at that carnal part of our life or the flesh. And we often have these kind of characteristics or this nature in us until we start to learn to live in relationship with Christ and live into the new identity that God has made for us. And so let me give you a few of the characteristics of what a predator is We've often talked about protectors on Monday and, and Wednesday, and I've gave you some of those characteristics, and I'm going to close this episode today by giving you just a few more from another resource that I mentioned earlier this week. But we talked about a protector kind of been a term of elephants, and really when the young are uh, learning to control their strength and not just ruin everything around them, they've got to be guided by the older, more mature males in that group of being able to get them back on the path in which they are being directed. And um, so an elephant is kind of an image that you can associate with being a protector because they live in community, they're protecting each other, and they often are a species that um, protect those around them as well. And a predator, you might think of uh, per se, a wolf. Uh, and wolves are often kind of predators that prey on the weak. And we've really defined the distinguishing aspect of being a protector and a predator is simply one who is tender with weakness. And we listed some of those characteristics last episode. So I can, I'm just going to encourage you to go back to those and listen to those. But here's really from that book again, on journey groups, a relational model of discipleship. Um, this is kind of how it defines what a predator is. It says it's someone who monitors weakness by looking for a way to gain a personal advantage in a, as a predator. All of us have a predatory system inside our brains, which will develop with little to no training. Without secure bonds and relational skills, our response to weakness will be predatory. In a protective protective community, 
our predatory ways begin to transform as we develop secure bonds and learn relational skills. And I loved what this person kind of uh, equated with transformed predators become very strong protectors. And that really is the hope of what Jesus can only do inside of us is to take our sinful nature of what we once we what once we were and no longer are because of the model and example of who Jesus is and who he's making us into. But I love that distinguishing characteristic of transformation is that it goes from being a predator into being a strong protector. And I thought this really pulled out a few key distinctions for us as well about relational skills, uh, maturity, and a community that is formed in secure relationship with each other. That's really what it takes to pull ourselves out of this predatory mindset or lifestyle where we're looking to prey on the weakness of others and to gain things for ourselves and move more into a protector mentality. So relational skills and having uh, secure attachments are the key things that pull us out of this predatory lifestyle. And I wanted to give just a few characteristics of things that I've seen in my own life, I'll be honest, and I've seen in the lives of those around me in terms of the different areas in which I've had the privilege of leading um, by example. And so there are really over four characteristics that um, a book made known to me called Rare Leadership kind of went through. And I mentioned this earlier in the week, but this is that book. Uh, called Rare Leadership by Jim Wilder and Marcus Warner. But the first one is really that they always are trying to justify their actions. And uh, if you've been married, I think this can be something that could be very easy. And I know that over time and over history of being married to my wife, I've had a fair share of when I'm confronted of trying to justify my actions. And you become defensive very quickly because you feel like they're... Um, confronting you or calling you out on something. And based on your previous experience, uh, that was something that was hard for me to, to actually embrace was to be confronted to be called out on something. Um, but it's not it's a way that we grow. It's a way that we're challenged. And so uh, a lot of times predators try to justify themselves before really listening and trying to hear where the other person is coming from. I mean, if you think about this in terms of the life of Jesus, did we ever see him trying to justify himself in a way uh, that he probably rightfully could have been able to do, but he was faithful um, and he was self-controlled in those times where he could have been self-justified. And really what self-justification does is that it's always shining a light on yourself and um, trying to, to promote your you're right, that you are right and that the other person is in the wrong. Number two, uh, they really can't handle shame. Uh, shame can be either healthy or it can be toxic. And this was something that I've learned through Life Model Works and Deeper Walk and Thrive is that um, shame is really uh, what happens to us when our, we, we've decided to make certain decisions and our actions have hurt someone else or 
uh, been the result of a lifestyle that is outside of what God requires and desires for us to live. And a lot of times we often get stuck in shame. And so someone who is a predator uh, could very easily fall into this category where they just cannot handle shame. And their response to that is they often deflect shame. And I'll just be very open and transparent in my own life is that I've had several things that I've had to confront and that the Lord has worked out in my heart over the course of my life. And uh, as a man, some of these habits and uh, some of these um, decisions that we make in life can often bury us in our shame. And so what do we do is when we're confronted is we'll deflect that shame and we won't take ownership. We don't uh, walk in humility. And a lot of times there's this continuous cycle that begins to build because when we deflect shame or um, whether it be the Lord or someone else or a spouse, our children, uh, loved ones, whoever it might be that kind of pushes that button of shame inside of us. And, uh, but, but their heart is good that if their heart is gentle and they're wanting us to be restored and to get over um, this hindrance or this obstacle that is in our lives and to have freedom from it. Um, we can't receive it because uh, we haven't been able to process shame with the Lord. And so we'll deflect it onto another person to try to justify ourselves, to try to keep the things and parts of our lives that we want to keep hidden. But I've said that God's kingdom is a kingdom of light and that um, the more that we can bring all of us into the light, and this is an ongoing process of development, of learning to live into the light and learning to live according to God's truth. And we often try to deflect shame. And this happens from a place of pain where we are hurting inside or uh, we see someone else's pain and we often defer or deflect our pain onto someone else because of how we're feeling. And that if our pain hasn't been processed, we're living from that pain and we're not living from the place of God's healing that he's done in our lives. So deflecting shame. And number four, uh, they really begin to use pain for their own pleasure or for their own benefit. And I'm sure that if you look around in the world or if you've ever been part of an environment or culture, this can be very toxic. And we probably need to remove ourselves if we're continuously in one of these uh, and we're not healthy ourselves or we're in need of healing or we're in, uh, we have a lot of brokenness that's happening in our lives is that predators are often looking for opportunities where they can identify who the weak are around them and they're only looking out for themselves to benefit themselves. So these were really kind of four characteristics from that book, Rare Leadership. And there's many more, um, but, but it's really what uh, predator type of people uh, begin to do. And one of the key distinctions that I've seen is this whole idea that the relationship for protectors uh, always remains bigger than the problem. Because when we get around pre uh, predators, then we often see that the problem is the person. And so the problem becomes much bigger than the person. And then we often look past the person 
who is in need of either validation or affirmation or just a person that really genuinely cares for them. So that's really some of the characteristics of, of kind of what a predator is and a possum. Um, I'm going to define this a little bit too. Uh, as you know what a possum is, a uh, possum often plays dead uh, in times where it's challenged or troubled or its life is in danger. Uh, and that's kind of the characteristics that a lot of us take on, depending on what we saw modeled before us, is that when circumstances get tough, another word might be you tend to avoid things and you just kind of blend into the background and you don't want to be seen, you don't want to be known, um, and you just want to wait until the storm passes in order to kind of re-engage. And uh, this journey group book kind of defines possums this way. It says, a possum is someone who thinks like a predator, weaknesses will get you eaten. And it does not want to be a predator, but lacks the skills to be a protector. Protective community possums become or begin to model themselves after the protectors, picking up relational skills and growing secure bonds. Transformed possums become very compassionate protectors. And I love this hope that Jesus gives us is that even in our sinful nature, or if we have a predatory mindset, and we have these things inside of us that we're wanting to get rid of, Jesus comes alongside and he walks with us and he's going to help you get healed. And it says that a transformed predator becomes a very strong protector and a possum becomes a very compassionate protector. So there's hope. There's this design that God has wired us to become protectors. And I want to end this episode by just a few more characteristics of what a protector can do. And this comes through many examples that I've had in my life. And I'm hoping that you can spend some time just thinking about and um, honoring and being grateful uh, if you've had these types of people in your life. What I want to focus on is from a book called Joy Starts Here. I also mentioned this one a little bit earlier. Uh, here are the four authors in that book, James Wilder, Ed Corey, Chris Corsi, and Shelia uh, Sutton. And so this kind of comes from that. There's a great uh, section on that in that book, but I'm just going to draw on a couple of these things as far as joy goes and how protectors really create an environment of joy around us. And I've mentioned several times a uh, part of a staff that I was uh, um, privileged to be on was the Fellowship of Christian Athletes when we lived out in Colorado. And uh, this was a community and we had a leader, several leaders. Um, really, it took on the DNA of the entire culture of the staff, but it was really learned and modeled through some of our state directors that just really created an environment of joy. And we've defined joy uh, through the season as someone glad to be with you or uh, having grace. You're special. You're someone's um, very favorite. And that's how we are in the eyes of God, that we are his favorite, that we are, uh, that he is glad to be with us. And really what a protector does. And when we get around Jesus, we feel so seen. We feel alive. We feel 
his presence and love just radiating on the inside of us. And it begins to change our heart. It begins to change our perspective and the way that we think about each other, the way that we interact around each other. And so here are three kind of characteristics of what a protector can do and how they create that sense of joy around them. A protector amplifies joy around them and they focus and they put their attention on things that bring them joy and they don't get overwhelmed in the distress. This is something that throughout life and as we mature that we begin to learn from other people. There's always going to be things that overwhelm us a bit. But the thing that I found fascinating about the neuroscience of our brain is that a well-trained brain can return back to joy in staying relational and acting like themselves within 90 seconds. So think of a time where you began to get overwhelmed and how long did it take? How long were you stuck in that process? What we begin to learn to do is to find a pathway back to joy. And one of the best ways to do that, and I've said this several times throughout this season, is by expressing appreciation and finding things that you can appreciate. Because really, it goes back to a protector having a joyful identity, one that you're pleased to be around, one that is pleasant to be around, because they're amplifying the healing that God has done. And they're living from that place of healing and what you'll see a lot of possums and predators kind of live from is a place of their pain where they're always amplifying the pain or the problem. You see, that's not what a protector does. And this takes relational skill and it takes maturity uh, and it takes a community that really desires to live vulnerably and transparently with each other and who are going to love you regardless of where you are at. So that's number one, is they amplify joy around them. Number two, is they have a great ability of when to rest. And they notice when people are tired, when they're weak, and maybe they just need to pull back and rest. This uh, great example that I have of this in my life was back when I was on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I was going through some things that had really emerged in my heart and that, that I was involved in that weren't healthy that God needed to remove. And I had a leader in my life that created something that he called the greenhouse effect. And what that was is instead of continuing to be on the front lines in ministry, I needed healing and I needed a safe place where I could just be loved and restored and pursue the love of God and develop a more intimate relationship with him. Because what I found a lot of times that happens in ministry is that people get tired and they get stuck and buried in this idea that I got to continue to perform and they get burnt out and they start going down roads that they can never recover from. And ultimately, these things come to the surface and they just get completely taken out of ministry because they never gave themselves the space to rest and be restored. And so when I was going through these things, uh, I, he provided a place for me where he just said, Eric, you know what you need is you need to just get a hold of all your donors, your coaches, um, and just say, hey, like, I need a time where I just need to be before the Lord and get to, get some healing, get some um, intimacy that uh, get, you know, refreshed and restored in ways that I just can't do right now if I continue to be in the ministry. And so what I did was I got a hold of my key leaders and I just said, hey, 
I'm going to need probably about a month where I'm just pursuing these things and trying to get right. Um, and I feel like the Lord's purifying me. And all the leaders that I talked to had really respected that. And I gave them the reason why and what this greenhouse effect that he set up and that he kind of termed this was that uh, he really challenged me to get in the word and to start uh, identifying what the word of God said about these issues and writing these scriptures out, beginning to memorize them, beginning to declare the opposite or the instead of that I found in scripture about who God said I really was. And it was a time where I started to understand more of my identity and the, the areas of struggle that I had. But it really was kind of like a greenhouse is to plants, a safe place where they get the sunlight, they get the water in order to grow. And once they are ready to be um, shipped out of the greenhouse and back where they need to naturally be planted, that was the case for my spirit, my soul, my mind, uh, and, and my body was just taking that month of being secluded, being before the Lord. And I met with this leader for several weeks and we would just have honest, open, vulnerable conversations of here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm learning. Here are the scriptures that I'm in. We would spend several hours a week just praying together over these things. And uh, we also let the other staff know because I wasn't the only one dealing with these types of things. But then he put me in touch with other guys who had done the same thing, kind of removed themselves from the front line so that they could be healed because one of the goals they had for this ministry was that we would be in it for the long haul. And there are going to be seasons where we need to draw back and it's learning to ebb and flow. You see in John 15, uh, this was kind of a key thing for that whole greenhouse effect is that uh, there's times and seasons where a plant, when it's planted somewhere, needs to be cut back and pruned so that it can produce more fruit. And there's a time of strengthening that happens in that plant. And then there's a time of producing. And this is equated to being and doing. And so many times, especially in my life, the doing got ahead of the being. And when you're trying to live from that place of doing, your being often suffers and you lose sight of who you are and ultimately you just get wiped out and the enemy comes in at the opportune time to just completely destruct everything that you've spent your time and energy and effort and resources building and so I was so thankful that I had this whole encounter of a month of just being restored because as if you're thinking in military terms is that you don't send the wounded out on the front lines and keep them there. You pull them off, you get them healed. And that was the mentality that we had. And so this was a great example in my life of someone who was a protector, who said, it's okay that these things are going on. It's a matter now of what you do in order to be restored and healed. So he knew I needed a time to rest in that season. And when we're feeling weak, when we feel like we need to be strengthened and we're just tired, whether that's physically or emotionally, a protector will allow you to have that space to rest. And if we're in a position of leadership, beginning to identify our workers or our employees and giving them the opportunity to rest because we know just by the neuroscience that people don't perform well and they're not creative, they're not intuitive um, and they're not fulfilled 
when they are tired, worn out, and feeling like they're not measuring up. And so protectors know when to give rest. And when people need rest, they are willing to give them that time to rest and be recharged. Number three, they share the distress of the weak or the one who is hurting or broken. This is a key concept that I saw in the life of Jesus so much in scripture and in the disciples is that there is a willingness to live in community and to share the burdens and to share the stress. Because so many times, especially in our Western culture, what we do is we try to um, take on these things by ourselves. And that's not God's design. And so Acts is a perfect example of this, of where the disciples were living in community and sharing meals together, praying. And if there was a need, they said they all contributed as a community. And they even shared their land together. This was a great example of what God's desire is for us, is that we don't have to carry these things alone, but a protector is going to see areas where people might need help and they are going to enter in and they are going to help them carry it until they have what is needed or the skills needed to, in order to take that on and to carry it out into completion. And so I thought these were three great characteristics of what protectors are. And I want to end this week with a simple scripture from Isaiah chapter 11. And I believe it's going to just breathe life into you today. But this has always been a very intriguing passage to me because you've got um, this community of where the weak and strong are together. And this is an interesting scripture because a lot of things are pulled together that we normally wouldn't see together. But in God's kingdom, he makes space for both and both are needed because the weak need the strong and the strong need the weak. And so here's Isaiah 11. It says in verse one, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his root shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So there's this stump. It's often referring to Jesus. And if you look at a stump, there's really not much that's attractive about a stump. And you never know if that stump is going to grow or produce anything more. But from this stump, he's talking about the stump of Jesse, the, the genealogy is going to come forth the Messiah, and it's going to bear fruit. And that person is Jesus. And it says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. We've talked about this in future um, previous episodes in Luke chapter four and Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon him and gave him great power and authority to do the things that only Jesus could do. And it says the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You have access to these things because Jesus resides in you. You have the spirit of the Lord resting upon you, the spirit of wisdom and understanding of counsel and might and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. These are incredible things that the Lord has given us that come from the person of Jesus it says, this is who Jesus was. He is counsel. He is wisdom. He is understanding. He is the counsel and the might that we need for this very present hour. And then I'm going to skip down to verse six, and I want you to see and just think about the contrast of things that are together here in one place. It says, 
The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf of the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I would just invite you this week to go back and to read those script this scripture from Isaiah 11, because to me it represents that um, the, these things that often contrast each other are together in one place. And it's interesting, some of the images that are together, but I love the one that says, a little child shall lead them. And you've got the cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. You see, so many times we have this image of what the kingdom of God is. And for so many times, we categorize and we isolate into these tribes or these communities where everyone else is like us. And we see change or diversity as something that's challenging to us. It's running rampant in our society today, but God is calling us up higher to gain his perspective and his wisdom to know how to live together with those people who are different or challenging, but yet how we grow and we need each other because we need to give place to those who may not be as strong as us to keep us humble, to keep us giving, to keep us serving because they have need. And then the strong, uh, it's hard for me to really know how to define someone uh, that is, is strong, but the strong, all we all have gaps, no matter how strong we may, may be, no matter how much strength we feel like we have, there are always going to come things in our lives that challenge us, that knock us down, that uh, our gaps, whether it's in our character, our maturity, but it's often those that we don't expect in our lives that can begin to lead us and guide us if we're willing to listen and if we're willing to make a space at the table together because we need each other. And there's a lot that we have to offer and deposit to one another. And so I pray today, I'll just close this episode by praying these things from Isaiah 11 over you today, that I pray the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon you. And I pray that the spirit of wisdom and understanding would reside deep in your heart and that the spirit of counsel and might would come upon you so mightily today and that the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord would be upon you today. And as we talked about this week about becoming a protector and having our hearts, our minds renewed and changed into the image of Christ and that we would experience you as the ultimate protector, the good shepherd, the one who thinks of us before uh, when, when danger is ahead and protects us and leads us by still waters in times of trouble and makes us to lay down in green pastures. Lord, I pray that our heart would just continue to thirst and hunger after you, 
that you would be the only one that could satisfy the deep desires of our heart, the only one that could show us how to become the type of protector that we saw in your son, Jesus, one that was willing to lay down his life and to give everything that he had so that we could be reunited with you. So Father, I pray that this week, this weekend, as we go into it, that we would be full of your grace, full of your mercy, and that we would experience your gentle protection in ways that maybe some of us deeply need it. Because I know and I sense that there are some that are hurting in a very real and practical and tangible way that need a protector, that need a champion. And I thank you, Lord, that you are that champion, that you are their protector, and that you will lead them as only you can lead them. Regardless if they've had no one else in their life, I pray that you would be the one that would change all of that, that you would change our perception of who you are and give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding of counsel and might and of the fear of the Lord that would set us free from the fears that we have and lead us into a place of being securely attached and connected with you so that we could protect those around us who may be feeling weak or that they may be feeling like they need to be strengthened today. I pray this in Jesus' name. I pray that God blesses you and God strengthens you. Join me next week as we're going to be looking a little bit more at what secure attachment really is and the types of relationships that we find ourselves in. Because I've said this in previous weeks is that we're either going to attach to God and others in a bond of fear or of love. And so we're going to examine what it's going to take and what it looks like to securely attach ourselves with the Lord and with each other. So God bless and God strengthen.